0: We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. In the earlier service, I shared a testimony and in this service, it's gonna be a different message, but uh, it kind of um, has some things in common. How many of you know that our country desperately needs another great revival? That there's tremendous powers of spiritual darkness that are enroaching on this country. And they've been planted and cultivated by the enemy for many, 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 many years. In our schools, universities, politics, business, you name it. The enemy has been active. And we could say maybe even more active than Christians. And at the same time there's many Christian churches different denominations that have attempted to compromise with the enemy. And those that have chosen that road of compromise are on their way to extinction. There are lots of churches that go out of business every single year. There's other churches where those that are 50 or so and up seem to be doing fine but where you don't find young people specifically young males between the ages of about 14 and 40 there's places where you can't find them in church they're very hard to hang on to if this continues those churches are going to die out in the next 15 or 20 years that's what happened to Europe. Western Europe is virtually dead, spiritually speaking. It's only in Eastern Europe, where they were behind the Iron Curtain, where there was severe persecution, that there are viable congregations today. And other places like Finland, that were right on the edge. In Latin America, however, evangelical Christianity is surging. And where it is surging the most, is where the conditions are the worst. It's in places like Venezuela, where a revival is going on, the likes of which I have never seen or experienced before in my lifetime. There are other countries where tremendous groundswell is developing, and it's not in the news. The news, our news media, tragically... um, all all they seem to know about is bad news. Or maybe even fake news. (laughs) But the good news is that after Venezuela, I think the fastest growing church on the planet is Iran. I have a friend who has a television ministry over there, and even though satellite TV antennas are outlawed, Tehran is full of satellite TV antennas of people tuning in the gospel. If the Lord Jesus tarries, Iran is going to go, it's going to flip for the Lord. I mean, we hear about that they're about to get a nuclear weapon, they're about to get in a big war with Israel. The devil would love to get something going to Thwart what God is doing. Egypt is getting ready to follow Iran. There, there there are tremendous potential for Christian missions and evangelism. It's already the groundwork is set in Egypt and it is multiplying. India. There's revival going on in India. And I could go on and on and mention countries and most of where the revival is going on it is under persecution and or adversity. God's people starting with Israel and going on into the church do not have a good record going forward under prosperity. Under adversity, God's people turn to God. Then God blesses them, and guess what happens? Their children and their grandchildren turn away from God. And this has repeated itself in many, many cycles. So how do we break this cycle? Well, in the Ten Commandments, it says that the sins of the fathers affect to the third and fourth generation. But when God's people please Him God blesses the scripture says to a thousand generations. That's scriptural for forever unto perfection. I've been around when revival has broken out and stupid mistakes have been done that quenched the Holy Spirit And guess what? When God leaves someplace, it's not very easy to get him to come back. In fact, in most places in ancient Israel, when God left, he never came back. When something new started, it started somewhere different. So don't think that if things have fizzled out, that it's gonna be easy to get God to come back. Now, fortunately, he's slow to leave, he's slow to anger. But under certain perversion, he will leave. And churches are finding this out. We found out that no amount of planning or resources or talent or gifting can make a revival start. Only God can make a revival. Only God can start a fire. But when God does it, there are things that we can do to enhance and ensure that it's not going to get snuffed out. Many times in Colombia, as we've been facing these situations, um, our staff has said, well, what do we do now? And I've answered time and time again I don't know but I one thing I do I know some things that we're not going to do there's some things that we should definitely not do and scripture is clear God does not like proud and arrogant people he will not cooperate forever if we are becoming more and more prideful and arrogant and he never turns down the humble and the meek but there's a catch in order for us to be humble and meek it takes the Holy Spirit in order for us to submit to God so we went back in Columbia and decided to zero in after some very spectacular failures to zero in exactly what did Jesus teach How did he go about this? I mean, have we gotten some of our own strange ideas in here? And, and have we. Um, Christianity used to be called in the first century the way. And Jesus said, I am the truth, I am the way and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. First mistake churches start making as they compromise with the world is to say Jesus isn't the only way. Another really bad one is to not be thankful for what we have. If we can't be thankful for what we have and thank and praise God for what we have, we'll never be satisfied no matter what we get. Unthankfulness is the first step towards apostasy well what did Jesus teach Jesus called his disciples they followed him and in Matthew chapter 5 it says that Jesus taught his disciples and the multitudes were looking on when you have revival there's going to be multitudes because spectacular things are going to be happening Miracles are going to be happening. Conviction of the Holy Spirit is going to be happening. And some people are going to be involved, directly involved, personally involved. They're willing to leave what, off what they were doing in order to follow Jesus and get involved in what Jesus is doing. And church as usual, we make the plans and try and drag Jesus into our plans. And we've done it both ways. And God had to deliver us of our own plans. So that we were willing to seek him and see if he would let us in on his plans. And you remember, he only explained the parables to his disciples. He didn't explain any of those parables to the multitudes out there. They thought they were interesting stories. They could tell that he preached with authority. But they never got the spiritual meaning. They never realized that he's talking about uh, taking the old nature, the old man, the life of Adam that we inherited that's under a curse. He's He's not trying to fix it. He wants to put it to death, crucify it with Christ and bring us forth. In Christ we are what? A new creation. So the only sermon that we have of Jesus with a beginning and an end is the Sermon on the Mount. It's been called the Little Gospel. It's been called the Magna Carta of Christianity. And Jesus began by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. He could have turned it around and said, you're all going straight to hell if you don't get rid of your pride and your arrogance. But that's not the way he phrased it. Jesus' message was encouraging. In other words, if you do what Jesus says and it's gonna, there's going to be a benefit now and into the future. The Greek is exclusive. It, 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 in English it could be translated blessed are the poor in spirit. And poor in spirit is the same in Greek as poor in pride. In other words, uh, blessed are those who let God remove their, their pride and their arrogance for they and only they have God as their king. That would be a literal paraphrase. In other words, if you want God to be your king, you can't be the king. And then he said, blessed I'm gonna get my. I'm gonna make sure I don't make a misquote here. Now we've got these little deals here, and we can um, carry our Bible in our pocket. Yeah. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And it uses the word to mourn a death. in other words if we really want to lay down our own way and lay down our pride and our arrogance coming to Jesus means we're going to mourn that old man because we're going to put him under we're going to let God put him under by the Holy Spirit because by the Spirit we can put to death the deeds of the flesh and live in the life of Jesus Christ and the comforter is the Holy Spirit And without the Holy Spirit, there is no regeneration. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't effectively minister. Without the Holy Spirit, we won't have discernment. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The meek are... are, That Greek word that's used there is the Greek praos... It's a military term. It was, a, it was applied to the horseman that would have a perfectly trained stallion capable of trampling enemies under his feet, but he was considered to be preas or meek if he continued to follow the orders from his rider even into the heat of a battle. And they had to do away with the reins because the horseman had to use both hands in the battle. So it was voice commands and knee pressure, and the horse had to perfectly respond or get himself and his rider killed. The meek aren't those who submit to just anybody, they're the ones that submit to their master only to their master and that's where the inheritance is in Christ now there's tragic examples in the scriptures of somebody that got saved as through the fire and didn't have anything to show forever having lived just barely squeaked in by the skin of their teeth somebody that makes it into eternity like that they're not going to reign and rule with Christ they're not going to be joint heirs with Jesus Christ they're going to be just glad to be there, and they're going to be reigned over by other people in the kingdom. I think there's going to be a lot of situations like that. People that got in at the last minute, maybe on their deathbed. And God gets more than we would think because He's not willing that any should perish. My grandmother was raised in a Christian home, rebelled against the Lord at 18, left Norway, went to America. Lived 60 years in rebellion to the Lord, came back to the Lord at the end of her life, and as she was finishing her life, she would sit and hold my hand and weep over all the lost years. Don't let that happen to you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. There's only one way to ever be satisfied, and that's to let God change our appetites. And when we're born again into the life of Jesus Christ, our appetites change. For a long period of time, Christians thought that you could never know if you were saved. That's why there was very little effort for centuries in foreign missions. And then a man named John Wesley came on the scene and he had three points and won the day and sparked a great awakening in the English-speaking world and all over the, all over the planet. And his three points were, number one, anyone can be saved. This is not all cut and dried and determined in advance. Yes, God can decide things in advance but, and he can have his hand on people from before they're born, but you can have people that are in trouble and they can come and insist and seek Jesus and if they come with the right attitude he will not reject them. Anyone can be saved. Number two, if you're saved you'll know it. Spirit of God witnesses to our spirit when we're the sons of God and when he's taken us on by adoption. And God disciplines His sons whom He loves. And that word sons there is not referring to gender. And number three. If you're saved, you'll show it. You're only fooling yourself if you think you're saved and your life hasn't changed. If you have your same old unclean appetites and habits and nothing has changed, you might be a spiritual fetus. You might be warming a pew or, or a seat in a church every Sunday connected by, with an umbilical cord to the church staff. But if your appetites have not changed, you have not been born again into the light. Blessed are the merciful, for they still obtain mercy. You know, all the things that we want to do for God... And we all go through a stage of wanting to do things for God. Um, Really, the main thing that he's asking us to do is to forgive others and to show mercy. As we flow in forgiveness and mercy, God comes on the scene. Grace and mercy aren't a one-size-fits-all. Grace and mercy be and peace can be multiplied unto us according to the scripture it can increase in a geometric progression and whatever gifting is given to us by the Holy Spirit God can bless and prosper it in different ways not every case is the same and it's dependent on how we use our gifts, whether or not God's going to multiply grace and mercy onto us. And so the most important thing that we can do as Christians is show mercy. Mercy is when we don't give people what they deserve. Because we wouldn't want God to give us what we deserve, would we? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The people coming in, you know, I, I can't see God. I, I, I can't, I don't know what God's plan is for me. I, I'm having a terrible time hearing His voice. I, I, I can't perceive. I've had people 20 years in the ministry come up and tell me that they've never heard personally the voice of God. Some of them even claim to speak in tongues and prophesy. And yet when you pin them down, they've never really personally heard from from God. Well, if that's the case, check your heart. Because our ability to perceive God has to do with the status of our heart. And it's the pure in heart that see God. And there's no way to have a pure heart unless we've submitted to the discipline of God the Father and that all interacts by the Holy Spirit. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. He uses the word for mature sons. Peacemaker was a well-known term in Roman times. It was the Roman legions under the Roman generals who were called the peacemakers that imposed the Roman peace, the Pax Romana, under, with brute force and just absolutely overwhelmed anyone that stood in their way. And if we're the peacemakers, the sons of God, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father with all power and authority now yes, yes. implementing the new covenant And all of the power of heaven is behind those that are clean. And that represent Jesus the way he wants to be represented. And when you have unclean people, many times very gifted unclean people, it creates a horrendous mess in Christianity. Maybe some apparent short-term success, but overall it creates a huge problem and does way more harm than good. I've been there with people that could fill stadiums when their personal life was a total disaster. They could fill stadiums and wow multitudes But the real conviction of the Holy Spirit wasn't there. It had left a long time before. Friends, if we're going to see a real revival here, there has to be conviction of the Holy Spirit. And in order for that to happen, God needs to use those who are pure in heart. And that's where he's going to put the power of heaven. And this is what happens blessed are those who suffer persecution for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven of the heavens comes back full circle and Jesus said that this is what they did to the prophets that went before us (coughs) every true prophet of God doesn't just get praised those who are clean will acknowledge what's going on. But those who aren't clean don't like true prophets of God. Jezebel couldn't stand true prophets of God. And she managed to thwart what God was doing for a long time until she finally met her demise. And when it happened, it happened very, very suddenly. When Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly Uh, it's slightly misunderstood in English it it would have been better translated I come suddenly it was going to take him a couple millennia to come back but (coughs) when he comes it's going to be very sudden and a lot of people aren't going to be expecting it and a lot of people aren't going to be ready and when he finds people misrepresenting him it's not going to go well for those people. He didn't say he's going to take them out and give them a nice little class and then bring them back and tell them how they're supposed to. No. He says he's going to destroy those wicked servants and replace them with others who have been proven to be faithful even with a little. When is Jesus going to come back? Well, everybody that's tried to set a date has failed miserably. And the scripture says that he's coming back when... <coughs> excuse me. A lot of people aren't going to be expecting him. A lot of people thought he was going to come back at um, the turn of the century. <coughs> and it um, didn't happen that way. We're in the year 2021. 20, Jesus still hasn't come back. For sure, we're more than 2,000 years, no matter how you figure the calendar, since Jesus was born. For sure, we're more than 6,000 years, no matter how you figure the dates, since Adam was created. And yet the scripture clearly prophesies the day of the Lord... And talks about a thousand years being as a day before God. And a day being as a thousand years. And that the day of the Lord is the seventh day. And therefore, the seventh millennium should be very important. It looks like we've already entered it. And we still don't, we still haven't had the events described in the first half of Revelation chapter 20. Satan has, hasn't been bound for a thousand years the first resurrection hasn't happened but there's a the possibility folks of two different timelines you see uh, the there could be a timeline counting from when Adam and Eve got expelled from the garden and we don't know when that happened we just know that hundred and thirty years later Seth was born and in that time they had gotten expelled from the garden and raised Canaan and Abel and one of them killed the other one So, um, but you know who knows who knows when it all happened was the serpent because he was there and if you are observing what the serpent and that ancient serpent revelation identifies him clearly as Satan the devil if you notice what he's been doing in the world today you can realize that he seems very anxious he knows he's running out of time he hasn't been able to consolidate things the way he would like to He said 6,000 years just about and all the kingdoms of this world belong to him according to the gospel he offered Jesus all the kingdoms of this world if Jesus would have bowed down to him and worshipped him And Jesus refused. But his problem is that all the kingdoms of this world don't get along with one another. They might all be his kingdoms, but he can't get them all consolidated. And he hasn't been able to. He's making a push right now. But even though it looks like he's about to succeed, the scripture says that in the end, he's going to fail. He will not be successful. You remember Haman was almost successful in killing off all the, God's people, but he failed right at the end, and he got hanged on his own gallows. And the ring got taken of power and authority got taken off of his finger and put onto the finger of Mordecai. And just an interesting tidbit of Bible um, um, names: Mordecai in Hebrew is the same as Paul in Hebrew, and Paul in Greek. Mordecai means small in Hebrew and Paul means small in Greek. Mordecai didn't look for the high place but he remained faithful at what God called him to do and God put him in charge of the whole kingdom. And the apostle Paul wasn't looking for the high place either. He called himself the least of the apostles. And look how successful he turned out to be because he had the right attitude. And see, that's why the Lord took us through the Beatitudes and ingrained that into every aspect of our ministry because if our attitude isn't right, nothing else is going to be right. Friends, if our attitude isn't right, we won't understand anything else in Scripture. To understand Scripture and to have... Well, let's go to this. Here. You remember the last thing Jesus did before he left? He left his last words were to return to Jerusalem and not do anything until they received power from on high but his last deed that he actually did according to the gospel of Luke is he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and if we want Jesus to open our understanding so that we can understand the scriptures and particularly the prophetic scriptures so that we can see what's coming our heart needs to be right And if our heart is pure and clean, we will have the right attitude. And Jesus will be able to open our understanding and will be a blessing to those around us. And we'll be able to encourage those that need to be encouraged and warn those that need to be warned. Because we need to be able to do both things. And as leaders... We're not supposed to join the people to ourselves. We're supposed to join them to Jesus. And then watch and make sure they stay joined to Jesus and sound the alarm if anything starts going wrong. And if we are faithful here, the revival can continue to pick up steam and not peter out and not be quenched. Now, we've had pockets of revival. You may have experienced them. But we haven't had in the last 130 years a revival that would turn this nation back to God. And situations in our universities, Harvard, Yale, all the Ivy Universities, they used to be Christian universities. And Satan got them with humanism. Satan's big plan is the worship of man, the glorification of man, and he's really behind it. He even can get atheists caught up in humanism. And humanism turns into the same pagan religion that he's been pawning forever. And they go right back into it. Just look at what they're studying in some of these universities today. Even while they're trashing Christianity. But God's getting ready to turn the tables on all this. Friends, a lot of Christians have been running around trying to chase the darkness away like you know, trying to get rid of it with a broom or something. And that's not the solution. The solution is to turn on the light. And we are the light that Jesus wants to shine. Jesus wants to shine in and through us. And when he shines the light, that's the end of the darkness. There is a great end time deception Prophesied, A great end time falling away. We're seeing it. But there's also a great end time revival and a great end time mm-hmm. glory of God about to come in the midst of all this darkness. And the glory of God is going to shine through those who are pure in heart. We've been in on some really nasty stuff that the enemy has done in South America. But God is turning the tables on him. And his master plan for Latin America is liable to be thwarted in the very place that he thought he had totally consolidated, which is Venezuela. And then it will spread to Cuba. All we can do is try and get Bibles and put them in there. But the, the, but the most important thing is, is, is God bringing the conviction and putting the Holy Spirit. And if he can do it there, he can do it anywhere. And if whatever he's going to do, it has to start somewhere. And friends, we can decide. We can start pleading with God. Let's start with us. Let's start with me. Search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way. See if there's anything that you need to cut right out of my heart. That's called circumcision of the heart. That's the sign of the new covenant. Circumcision of the heart. Is your heart circumcised? Or has it been circumcised enough? Is there anything in there that God would still like to cut out of there, but you really haven't let Him have freedom in that area of your life? I don't want to judge anyone, but And some people think that a very low level of commitment is enough to get you into eternity. And I hope it works for them, if that's what they think. But if you want to be victorious, it takes a total commitment. Because if if you get in a battle with the enemy and there's an area in your life that isn't totally surrendered to God, guess where you're going to get attacked? And God will allow it to happen to see if you're willing to let him close that breach. It's better just to say, Thy will be done. Jesus even struggled with this. He asked, is there some other way? I mean, do we have to go to the cross? And the answer is yes. Yes. You see, friends, even with the provision of redemption that Jesus made for us, God still didn't lift the sentence of physical death. We all still have to go through physical death. Well, wouldn't it be better to just reckon that done now? So that whatever time we have left can be for the glory of God, however He wants to do it. That's the path to victory. That's the path to bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit that convinces most people, even if they go forward in an evangelistic crusade or something, they've analyzed it. Most people that have done this, it didn't just happen out of the blue. They didn't come to committing their lives to Jesus Christ just out of the blue they saw a real Christian in action they realized the difference they came under conviction from the Holy Spirit and then maybe there happened to be the opportunity to make a public demonstration of that but there's prenatal development that goes on before somebody gets born again it doesn't just happen out of nowhere. And so, friends, if we're living a clean life before the Lord, our life can bring conviction. Our life can show the difference between how a Christian handles adversity and what would normally happen. Our life can show the difference of how a Christian handles prosperity. Prosperity. In this sense, friends, prosperity, whether it's our health, whether it's our finances, whether it's whatever it is, freedom, is one of the greatest trials of our faith. All of these places that I named where there's revival going on, it's under adversity, and those people, even though God's doing tremendous things, they don't have hardly any money guess where God put the finances of Christianity he put more than 90% of the finances of Christianity on the world today in North America 90% or more of the available finances and that gives us a responsibility Some people think they don't need a 10% commitment. Some people think, well, it would be a good idea to tithe, and then we can do whatever we want with the 90% that's left over. And maybe they'll make it that way. I, I, only God knows. But wouldn't it be better to just let the Lord have a free hand and say, just show me what you want to do, and I'll do it? You can't outgive God, you can't outbless God. My dad used to say there is a tremendous difference between a 99% commitment and a 100% commitment because in that 1% that you're holding back, that's where the devil's going to nail you and he's going to keep you ineffective because of that. My dad used to also say there's all these people running around that are 18 inches from the kingdom of heaven. They have a head knowledge, but they don't have a heart knowledge. They've got lots of uh, doctrines lined up but their heart isn't totally committed to God. The issues of life, according to scripture, flow from the heart. And unless Jesus has control of our heart, what's flowing out of our heart will not be clean. And if it's not clean, we won't have a good witness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity today. Thank you for each and every one here. We thank you for the wonderful country in which we've been born and raised. And we ask, Lord, that you might work in our hearts and in our lives so that we might be part of the solution. So that we might be part of the great upcoming revival that's prophesied. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at HopeChurchMT.com give. Also follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Be blessed and have a great week.